Chapter twenty one of Miss Pym's Camouflage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Miss Pym's Camouflage by Lady Dorothy Stanley. Chapter twenty one. The next day Miss Pym wandered invisible about Potsdam, but the dull regularity of the buildings soon drove her to the parks. The formal French gardens of Saint Souci appeared to her unattractive. Perhaps the fierce heat and lack of shade made the architectural garden unpleasing to her. The straight lines of clipped hedges, the long tiers of terraces, the multitude of stiff fountains and statues, with here and there a temple or an artificial ruin, fatigued the eye. Miss Pym sat down by the great fountain and stared up at the broad flight of a hundred steps leading to the palace of Saint Souci, but felt not the smallest desire to mount them leaving the formal garden she went through the park to the orangery palace another immense building in the italian style with towers and terraces and the inevitable statue of a william or a frederick berlin and potsdam are dotted all over with effigies of these monarchs in stone bronze or marble miss pym also noted the quite extraordinary number of single figures groups or equestrian statues all emblematic of war at last she came to the new palace a vast quadrangular building of brick with long cloistral colonnades here she must return at night and interview the kaiser it might have been well to reconnoitre then and there but the long walk and the great heat proved so exhausting miss pym even wondered how she would get back to potsdam but after refreshment at the stadtkonigsberg hotel and a cup of tolerable coffee for which she paid four marks miss pym became cooler and almost somnolent and it was quite late in the afternoon when she remembered the baron's advice and decided to forage about in potsdam for less conspicuous clothes in a very select establishment she discovered morning attire of a good cut and fine texture she was trying on one of the very sombre crape bonnets with long veils when an attendant seeing miss pym's purple hat snatched it up with an exclamation miss pym thereupon decided to keep the bonnet she was trying on and with the black dress and jacket rolled up under her arm she hurried back to her room at the Palast Hotel. Miss Pym had been tempted by a rich silk mantle, but remembering that the rustle of silk would always betray her presence, she had selected a long, loose coat of fine black cashmere, edged with crepe and a skirt to match. Miss Pym fairly gasped when she saw herself in the long mirror these trappings of grief somehow did not harmonize with her sensible cheerful face but when the immense crape veil was drawn over the bonnet and fell almost to her feet miss pym viewed this monument of woe with awe having resumed visibility she walked slowly down the wilhelmstrasse really somewhat oppressed by her clothes but after a while she forgot herself and soon the normal miss pym was flinging back her embarrassing veil and gazing in at the shop windows or watching the berlin crowds listlessly wandering about the streets excursionists from berlin even in war time came out to potsdam 
attracted by woods, hills, and lakes. The Ulan barracks appeared empty, but on the great drill ground of the Hussars barracks, near the Berlin Gate, she saw a great number of young Germans being drilled, boys of sixteen and seventeen, and down a side street she saw an old spectacled schoolmaster actually goose-stepping along the sidewalk followed by his pupils boys from six to ten or twelve years old miss pym asked a woman at the door of a house who was watching the strange procession why children were made to do drill so very young oh it is soldiering morning noon and night these little ones are preparing for the next war i used to think war was a fine thing but we are sick of the horror of it we were promised a short victorious campaign we were to have paris calais england in a few months but here we are in the fourth year of the war and every family in germany is bereaved pardon me gnädige frau have you suffered recently miss pym did not reply but again looked at the young cadets drilling in the barrack-yard then turning to the woman she asked when shall we have peace the woman in a low voice replied it is said it is whispered that we shall only get peace when we surrender there is not a wife nor a mother in germany who would not gladly surrender this very day rather than continue as evening approached miss pym decided that she would dine at the staff officer's mess and from there proceed to the new palace she left her rucksack at the hotel taking only her handbag after emptying the contents into one of the drawers which she locked the officers quarters were in the stadtschloss and all the officers were at mess in a room off the fine hall miss pym entered unseen feeling too excited too wound up to eat at a rather long table fourteen men were seated dinner was nearly over and they lolled back in their chairs sipping sweet champagne and smoking big cigars some of them had but recently recovered from wounds and were on light duty others looked very ill and worn there were few sound men amongst them though the wines circulated freely and in the greatest variety they appeared sober enough miss pym sat down on a velvet couch behind two particularly careworn officers and listened to their conversation it appeared to be on the shortage of essentials horses winter clothing for the men leather rubber etc the elder man kept rubbing his face wearily as the younger and more voluble one said repeatedly so you see you see the difficulty no rubber you see you see the trouble no copper suddenly the elder man asked abruptly what about the english woman that spy at berlin has she been caught oh yes replied the other you may depend on it they have got her by now i heard only mark you i don't in the least vouch for it that she was present at a private conference presided over by michaelis and that she stole a lot of maps and most valuable papers from right under his nose there were awful scenes and there is a huge sum offered for her apprehension wouldn't i like to catch her said the younger man my debts are such a burden i hardly know what will become of me well she isn't likely to come here 
where there's nothing doing unless she comes to note our wounded as they are carried from the train what with all those spies and detectives and agents at the stations not likely we are shooting that other english spy some time to-morrow dear me another english one yes and a woman too she was english governess to baron munchausen's children when war broke out as the baron naturally refused to keep her in his house she was arrested and interned for some months then she was allowed to go and live in a pension in belgium later she heard that an officer an englishman she was engaged to was a prisoner at liege so she must needs thrust herself there the man escaped and she was accused of getting him out and helping another officer to escape and for that she is to be shot the governor not liking the responsibility has i understand asked the kaiser whether she shall be shot or imprisoned for life it's a disagreeable business but these women spies are more dangerous than the men they must be got rid of otherwise we should be overrun by them still getting your lover away isn't quite spying no that is why they are referring it to his majesty where is he at potsdam i heard he was at berlin one never knows he goes about very secretly he isn't popular just now well colonel fistner said something about his being here he had a fearful row with the crown prince and is now in one of his unapproachable moods i pity his valet don't you the crown prince is really behaving disgracefully you know anna bauer of the valhalla would you believe it he miss pym moved off to another group gravely discussing the chances of peace i still believe we shall pull it off with russia why we are spending millions there and we have awfully good agents at petrograd i don't believe in using men of our own nationality our best helpers are russians and in england englishmen still we got trebitsch the hungarian so-called lincoln into the english parliament and he isn't the only one but we do better by using the native in england there are plenty of fools playing our game and of course there are many to whom we are paying out good german gold in china also we have to pay shang sun required a very big sum to restore the boy emperor and did not succeed ah but he very nearly did succeed whereas that ass major poppenheim who tried to blow up the siberian bridge was skilfully got rid of by the russians and lots of our fellows in america have failed just because we tried to pull off the trick ourselves we should use the material of each country hardial in india is an excellent agent and we had others in persia those are scattered now but we shall look them up by and by in france we have good friends some most able frenchmen though maybe rather under a cloud you see our german agents are not sufficiently well acquainted with the characteristics of the different nations would any of our men have had the wit to plead with englishmen as did an eminent english writer the other day who begged them to talk over peace conditions with us on the ground that we were penitent isn't that exquisite we germans penitent so the english expect to see the german nation performing an act of penitence beating its breast and sitting down in sackcloth and ashes 
and abasing itself by crawling beneath the yoke of contemptible exactions the english author goes on to say that england should meet us at stockholm or anywhere to talk matters over believing that if england assures germany a tolerable national existence mark the word tolerable then the grateful german democracy will overthrow the supports of militaristic imperialism within the german empire why do you quote such rubbish to us growled a colonel why to show you what goes down with the british was there ever such an idiotic people still such talk is really and truly helpful to us especially if such tosh helps to bring about a conference at which these simpletons would attend what we want now is a conference and that is only to be obtained by smooth words by appearing to be in a chastened mood we should make use of native talent in every country we are fighting in italy we have a good friend in russia we had the empress and rasputin and sturmer to-day we have any number of supporters there but why enumerate further in england there are newspapers which you might imagine to be subsidized by us perhaps they are i know we tried to buy french newspapers so it is quite likely we have an interest in some english papers shall we drink then to our english friends this was greeted by an homeric laugh we'll bring down the britishers yet shouted a fair-haired youth with a pasty complexion and if we don't our sons will so let us drink to the next war when i was in hospital said a huge fellow carrying his arm in a sling i soothed myself when in pain by thinking of what we should do in england when we landed i let myself imagine we were marching through kent i saw hold your tongue Lehmann. i know what you did in belgium so i don't fancy hearing a recital of your day-dreams oh we'll kill all right and destroy when we get there i don't see germans then in a penitent or chastened mood we'll smash the english yet yes and enjoy doing it but wait till we do let them but give us a conference if we can talk and negotiate we shall win and now for the dancing girl at hartsberg's rooms the officers jumped up and going to a table in the big hall where they had deposited their weapons they commenced buckling on their swords and pistol holders miss pym followed them and picking up an automatic pistol which she put into her handbag passed out into the dark streets as she entered the park of sans souci the moon appeared in full radiance the cold glory lighting every path and alley miss pym never forgot that night as she walked gravely towards the new palace now in the inky shadow of trees now in the colourless moonlight herself shadowless the palace gates were shut the sentries paced the colonnade within the great quadrangle there were lights in the outer buildings but the long lines of windows were darkened miss pym made detours but saw no open gate no door ajar where she might enter returning to the great gates of the main entrance she saw the push-button of an electric bell shining white in the moonlight there was nothing for it she must ring like a visitor for quite thirty seconds she pressed the bell and saw two men accompanied by two soldiers cross the courtyard 
and approached the gates they peered out through the bars but seemed indisposed to open seeing no one there miss pym assumed a gruff voice and shouted in german open scoundrels and do not keep your betters waiting at once the porters swung open one side of the great gate and stepping forward looked up and down and round about miss pym passed in as four soldiers joined the astonished porters she left them quarrelling and passed along the great frontage of windows to the right of the building on the wild park side finding no entrance she retraced her steps and walked to the left wing at the farther end near an open door servant girls were larking with sentries one girl was throwing food bread and sausage at a soldier who caught it in his mouth like a clever dog miss pym brushed past them and ran down a long passage kitchens butteries pantries opened on to the passage a leather padded swing door led into one of the corridors of the palace opening a lofty door on her left miss pym found herself in a long hall or gallery lit up by the moon the polished floor gleamed like silver and all along the walls the moon shone on upright glass cases containing shells and minerals which sparkled and glittered so brilliantly that miss pym had the impression of walking at the bottom of the sea everywhere she saw shells and corals and rocks a most unexpected and truly remarkable sight this gallery reached the whole length of the palace opening the door at the end she found a square hall and staircase leading up to the private imperial apartments ascending the fine staircase she heard voices and doors opening and closing the first floor was lighted at intervals by shaded lights a huge german in a jaeger uniform walked up and down turning sharply as though on parade miss pym watched and listened voices could be heard in one of the rooms which was on the soldier's beat she paused at the door waiting for the soldier to pass and as he did so she grasped the door-handle turned it gently and found herself in the bedchamber of the all-highest it required all her self-possession quickly and gently to close the door and walk into the room every detail of which was forever to be photographed on her brain the room was spacious but too lofty thus wanting in perfect proportion at first she saw only the bed softly lighted by a silk-shaded electric lamp the bed was low immense and very flat far up overhead a golden eagle held a ring in its fierce curved beak and from the ring descended thick blue silk curtains of woven damask which parted and drew back like a woman's hair on a white forehead the light fell on the kaiser sitting up very erect hardly leaning at all on the piled-up pillows dressed in white silk pyjamas he sat clasping the hands of a man in faultless evening dress a burly fellow with a golden beard and brown hair the kaiser looked old but less old than she had expected the bony frame of his face stood out sharp leaving shaded hollows which moulded the face so that it might have belonged to a bust of anxiety and sorrow the eyes were fierce and restless rather bulging and even scared in expression 
the moustache was quite white and much smaller than in his earlier portraits miss pym thought here is a man who has a look of the kaiser but she would never have picked him out as the all-highest somewhat unshaven he had a neglected appearance which was heightened by the disorder of his abundant white hair which stuck up in a way we call staring when applied to the coat of an animal his complexion was well tanned by sun and air leaving a white top to the forehead where the helmet or cap protected it from the light the man looked curiously insignificant and yet thought miss pym how extraordinarily significant for here was the man who had caused the death of millions soaked europe in the red blood of youth and caused a river of tears to bathe the world this this was his imperial majesty who wishing above all things to bulk large in history had throned himself on crime and crowned himself with infamy purdy to pym gazed on that face partly familiar partly strange and unknown surely this was the evil one who had to be loosed a little season out of his prison and who went out to deceive nations which are in the four quarters of the earth to gather them together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea he was speaking querulously to the stout german sit here on the bed anton talk to me i am so troubled you wouldn't believe what i have to put up with from villi am i not kaiser why i could degrade him to sub-lieutenant to-morrow if i pleased he and his junker friends got bettmann pushed out my dear bettmann you know anton bettmann and i we understood each other he never irritated me now villi and his detestable set got michaelis in bettmann's place ach michaelis a nobody at all just their tool when i go and speak of what i will do to those fair flipped english michaelis jumps up and talks of peace negotiations he's just a weathercock turns every way and is no man for me anton it is bad for my health to get so angry my stomach and brain suffer yesterday but for you my beloved anton i should have killed von volsrode yes with these hands in spite of the gout in this finger dear me gout your majesty i don't believe a young and vigorous man like your majesty suffers from gout besides you are so abstemious a pattern for us all gout no that is impossible a smile of relief flickered across the kaiser's face but see this finger it is red and swollen he said plaintively holding his right hand up for anton's inspection who took it with the gentleness of a woman no no it is not gout see this heavy gold ring is rather tight your finger has swelled and there is a little eczema caused by moisture you should slip the ring off at night and put on a little powder to cool the hand perhaps you are right said the kaiser but it is hard to get off and the all-highest worked the ring off with an effort put it there beside my watch near the glass of orange flower water miss pym's eyes shone with eager gladness the key ring kneeling on a velvet settee at the foot of the bed 
she leant her arm on the carved footboard and watched the kaiser as though she must read him through and through and photograph the image of him on her brain you soothe and quiet me anton he said sentimentally lying back on the great square pillows there there it's all right murmured the big german in the tones of a monthly nurse hindenburg worries me continued the all-highest fretfully he knows i can't stand the sight of blood yet he always wants to drag me to battlefields especially in the east why i shiver these hot nights only to think of the cold i endured last winter in poland and now he wants me to visit riga i dread a cold more than anything and i had to stand in the snow talking to the men no i will not go again but anton it is worse in the west you know to see dead men and wounded men they ought to be cleared away when i come why don't they clear away those awful bodies and it hurts me to hear men groaning you understand anton yes your majesty i know better than any one how sensitive you are how full of deep feeling you cannot hear the groans of your brave warriors without acute suffering yes it is just that how you do understand me anton no one realizes how i shudder at the sight of blood ah well your majesty must keep away from battlefields for a bit and yet the crown prince harasses me to go to his front to address his men he says they are discouraged and that they are beginning to surrender ach he's no good as a soldier only think anton of the men he has lost why i lie awake night after night especially when i am upset as i have been all this week first by one then by another there was a pause anton evidently wished to say something but the kaiser's mood was unpropitious then william the second who was lying back opened his eyes and smiled my friend you are getting fat in spite of the food restrictions your dress suit is too tight and the kaiser laughed boisterously seeing anton's embarrassment he always enjoyed finding a raw spot yes you are losing your figure and with it you will lose your power over women your majesty is pleased to make merry but i came not for mere jesting i came really to petition your majesty surely i have been troubled enough to-day said the kaiser moving his head restlessly on the pillows i should have waited till to-morrow but by then it will be too late replied the big german seriously the kaiser still in a cheerful vein pretended to look shocked oh anton you are a sad dog some new love affair you want me to order the husband to the front no your majesty it is not a petition for myself but this evening young dertzenberg arrived from berlin there has been an informal meeting of some of the ministers and they are very anxious that you should remit the sentence of death passed on that english girl miss lucy price at liege the kaiser's face clouded this is michaelis and since when has he grown tender towards the english he growled oh it is not tenderness your majesty it is only policy michaelis says that shooting this young woman will have a very bad effect with neutrals she is not a spy and she only helped her fiance to escape it is an affair of sentiment nevertheless an englishman escaped and she is english 
that is enough the governor of belgium is only doing his duty let her die but your majesty michaelis says it will have a deplorable effect in england and in america the kaiser sat up with a jerk his face twisted with rage his lips drawn back from his teeth you quote michaelis to me and he thinks my action shall depend on the effect made in england and america by every man woman or child of those accursed countries i would gladly see killed nay i would gladly kill with these hands foe they sicken me craven dogs holland's turn shall come my brave men will make short work of the dutch sweden and norway had better look out those wooden houses would burn nicely neutrals has my policy ever been dictated by the opinion of enemies and neutrals the governor of belgium is after my own heart he shall be decorated mark that decorated let michaelis notify him that for this particular act of justice the execution of this englishwoman he shall receive from me the order of the red eagle miss pym turned her eyes away from the fiendish face of the kaiser away from the stout german seated beside him and she saw an english girl waiting in a prison at liege for the last dawn when she was to step out into the prison-yard there to die for saving her beloved silence had fallen anton rose abruptly making a military salute it must be as the all-highest wills i motor back at once to berlin any other orders from your majesty no said the kaiser shortly closing his eyes again bowing anton turned and left the room End of chapter twenty one